This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at CosmicPotato.com. Hi, this is Shane. And this is Virginia. And this is Wait, You've Never Seen, a podcast dedicated to discussing well-known movies and TV shows that one of us has never seen. And today we're discussing Wait, You've Never Seen Apocalypse Now, The So before we get into that... Come on, what about my acting first? I, I'm trying to be polite. What? <laughs> Virginia, please tell us about any trigger warnings we'll need to know about. So there are plenty of racial slurs against Vietnamese people and Asian people more generally. Um, it's it's a wartime movie, so you have slaughter of civilians, war-related PTSD, graphic depictions of injuries. Um, there's some animal abuse and some mentions of suicide well i mean did you say war related injury you didn't so like there's war i mean there's war crimes that we're yeah we're seeing we're seeing horrible horrible blatant violations of human rights also yes in a flippant in a seemingly flippant way this is just the way things are yeah so what three things did you expect from this movie? Um, I did expect it to be set during the Vietnam War. Oh. Um, apocalypse now means we'll start off the movie with an apocalypse. It's it's not a good name for, for the movie. I mean, it did look a little apocalyptic, apocalyptic at the beginning because it started off with all those explosions. So I was like, right. oh, okay, may, they're trying. We'll get to the meaning of apocalypse now in a second. But. And then kind of... Like that, I thought Apocalypse Now is probably a playoff of Serenity Now. Or Nirvana Now. Oh. Nirvana Now was a was a button that people would wear in the... Okay, we're getting into it now. So, yeah, Serenity Now or Nirvana Now was a button that people would wear in the 70s, late 60s, early 70s, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, John Milius, who is the writer of Apocalypse Now... He he used to he he hated that idea of like we need peace and serenity now. He's like, no, we need apocalypse now. So he would take like the peace sign and he would make like a B fifty two out of it mm-hmm. and put little like bombs and engines and make make the peace sign like you know a war plane, and it would be apocalypse now under it. <laughs> so yeah, you're right. So so far two out of three. What's the third? That that was all three of them set during the. The Vietnam War. Check. Oh. Apocalypse Now. Start off the movie with Apocalypse. Sorry. Sorry. Apocalypse Now is a playoff serenity. Still 66%. I try not to read your screen because I've been accused of this. Well, you do. So I thought Apocalypse... I thought that was like... I thought the second one... Oh, uh, was the those combined. The second thing is two things. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. So did you expect to like this or not? Um... I I think it will be very graphic, which I expect. Here's the thing. I don't like unexpected graphicness. Yeah. Like, when I sit down to watch a war movie, or like last week when we watched Lonesome Dove, 
Like, there's going to be certain depictions of injuries that that they're accurate, and I'm like, I'm ready, okay. So, I did expect it to be very graphic, but I still didn't think it, it would be, like, my cup of tea. I thought it would be too graphic. Understood. So, I gave it 2.5 stars. 2.5 stars, right down the middle. Okay. What is your one-sentence uh, IMDb description of this film? <laughs> I... A group of hardened soldiers conduct covert military operations in Vietnam and then go surfing in their downtime. Yeah, that's <laughs> kind of it. I'm like, as soon as we finished watching it, I'm like, yeah, that's that's kind of what happened. So the post, so I, you did get to see two posters, though. You did get to see two posters of Apocalypse Now, if you recall. I gave you the official oh, one. Oh, that's right. Which is just weird and bizarre. Yeah, I got nothing like, from that one. Kind of like parts of the movie are just weird and bizarre, where you just see a uh, like an oil painting of of um, the Godfather. Marlon Brando. Thank you. You just see Marlon Brando's face kind of looking up like, and like the sun or whatever. Right. So I, I gave you a, um, I gave you a poster that was a. It was just um, a silhouette of a surfer. Or something. It's an it's a more modern reimagining of what the poster for Apocalypse Now would be. So yeah, there's a surfer on the beach, and it's this nice beach scene with, I think palm trees, but then yeah. there's you know Hueys coming, in. there's attack helicopters coming in. <laughs> but still, still I got to give it to you. That's really close. So. IMDb actually says this rated R film, 147 minutes, Lord have mercy. Two hours, two and a half hours. Not quite two and a half. What? I mean, three minutes. So, yeah, two hours and 27 minutes. <laughs> That's not two and a half hours. But by the way, I had mercy on you because we rented, oh we accidentally God. rented Apocalypse Now Redux. That's not pronounced redo? I guess it's not the way it's spelled. Redux? I, I don't know. Which is three hours. Three and a half. And 30 minutes. You didn't let me finish. Oh, I was pausing for emphasis. Oh. Um, yeah. Ridiculously long. And I'm like, you know what? Nope. Nope. You're not going to see this. It's so long. Fans of Apocalypse I don't know now. why you've been making me watch these long <laughs> movies recently. Long movies. I saved you an hour of your life. What are you going to do with that hour? Complain about all the other long movies you made me watch. Okay, that's the way to <laughs> go about it. So anyway, back to IMDb. Oh, what this, year What year did you say it was? I didn't. 1979. Okay. Uh, it's drama and war, which I, we'll get to this, but I don't think this is really a war movie. It's more about like... The whole mission of the movie is removing a cult leader, essentially. It's not really about war. You need, like, war is the set dressing. War is the place this happens. But, but I think war it's more is about the reason why the cult leader was installed in the first place. Like, because of the backing of the military, he was able to go over there. Like, that wasn't the military's purpose in sending there, but he was in sending him there, but he was able to use those resources to. You know, ba basically go off the deep end and create his own little fiefdom or whatever. Right. 
Out I mean, in Cambodia. yeah, we're really getting ahead of ourselves here. So, IMDb tells us that this movie is <laughs> a U.S. Army officer serving in Vietnam is tasked with assassinating a renegade special forces colonel who sees himself as a god. Sounds like a cult leader to me. Mm-hmm. So, did this? How did this movie meet or not meet your expectations? Again, you got a lot of things right. Um. Yes, it was set during the Vietnam War. Um. It was pretty much what I expected from a war type movie. Mm-hmm. Um. It did look apocalyptic when the movie first started with the uh, with the explosions. And, um, but it didn't seem to me like Apocalypse Now was a playoff of Serenity, uh, because I didn't know what you had just said earlier, so I thought they would explain that in more detail, but I guess they didn't. But I did like that it at least showed up in the movie, even though it was at the very end when we finally get to the cult leader's, um, fortress or whatever, Yeah. and all the people are standing there, and it says, uh, like painted or written on one of the rocks it says our motto apocalypse now and i'm like oh okay well at least it's in the movie even though i'm not <laughs> getting a really good explanation of it but i did like it more than i thought i would so i uh i gave it three and a half stars three and a half star- oh i mean i'm actually a little surprised because it seemed like because we we try not to talk about this movie and we've we saw it a little while ago and we start talking about it. I'm like, oh, we got to wait. We got to wait. And she's like, oh, she. And Virginia's like, oh, yeah, we'll talk about this movie. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay. She must, <laughs> she must have hated it. Well, no, I just, I, I liked the way that it was done. Um, like, as war movies go, I thought it was well done. Like, there was an opportunity for it to be a complete disaster, and it wasn't. And I recognized a lot of the people, which was like, oh, yeah, that person, that person. In fact, one of, um, besides Robert Duvall, who I guess I did not recognize in this movie, um, the guy who played Blue Duck in Lonesome Dove played the, not the surfer, the other, the chef. He played the chef. Yes. Frederick Forrest, I think, was his name. Anyway. Also, now, did you, so, um, the young, uh, African-American man goes by Mr. Clean. Did you recognize him? I didn't until you were like, hey, do you know who that is? <laughs> and then we paused it because we were watching it on, Apo- oh. we were watching it on Apocalypse Now. We were watching it on Amazon Prime because we couldn't get the regular Apocalypse now through Netflix. Yeah. And when I paused it, it does that x-ray where it shows you, like, Who's the people in are in it. And I saw it was Lawrence Fishburne. So. Lawrence Fishburne was, was 14 years old. That's just... Which broke some laws, but they were in the Philippines shooting this, and they're, they're too far away from the people who would stop. Movie Francis Ford Coppola. love to break rules. Like, they just think that, well... I mean, there's the whole Twilight Zone fiasco. We'll get to that in our, our in the future. But go ahead. Um, something I did not expect was um, Martin Sheen's sort of 
film noir-esque narration <laughs> of this movie. Like, yeah. it was a dark and stormy night in the Windy City. Like, okay, like, I feel the seriousness, but I was struggling not to laugh at that. Like, it just seemed sort of silly to me. I can't believe I'm still in Saigon. <laughs> and they show that slow down, like, romantic helicopter. Oh, right, to match up with the ceiling fan. Yeah, the flame. ceiling fan. And, like, and it's so film noir. He's, he's in this little room alone and tortured, like, mm-hmm. with, mm-hmm. like, the light streaming through, and he's drunk, and that's so film noir. <laughs> But yeah, I kept expecting him to to do something cheesy in 1930s because it was just sort of silly. <laughs> well, you we've seen that parodied so much, you know. So when we first meet Robert Duvall, Robert Duvall leads that the cavalry for la- uh, for lack of a better word that that team of. Um, the helicopter squadron that's gonna drop the boat where they need it. Oh, okay. he's the one. He's the yes. one who's like Charlie doesn't surf, <laughs> referring to the Viet Cong. But... Was he the one that was always telling that dude to go surf? Like, right, oh, yeah, how do you like those waves? Like, oh, those you see are... how they're breaking this way, breaking left and right at the same time. It's gonna be okay. They... Because I was like, <laughs> okay, his 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 voice sounds familiar, <laughs> right? But it just didn't look like him. So, yeah, okay. That, I mean, this character, I'm not going to look up his name, I guess. (laughs) Uh, He seems to be like a superhero, sort of. He's... A loose cannon. Well, he's a loose cannon. Well, uh, yeah. So the first time we see him, he seems unaffected by the dead women and children, like literally at his feet. There's just this flippant quality. He's more concerned with the surfing than the mission. He seems even unaffected by war. The shells are hitting near him. Everyone else is ducking for cover, and he's just, like, trying to see if the waves are still breaking the way he likes. Yeah, I... That dude was... That's when I knew we were in for, like... Like, this is going to be a wild ride because we're not even to the cult leader yet and we already got this guy who seems to just have careless disregard for the men under his command and if like that's how the the good guy who's supposed to help martin sheen i forget his name too um get to where he can assassinate this other dude like how exponentially worse is marlon brando's character right you know what i'm saying yeah it's a little messed up so Kurtz is the guy that they're they're going to get. Okay. They're going to stop uh, Marlon Brando's character. So was this based on some kind of true story? I mean, I, I assume the names have been changed to protect the guilty, but is it based on some kind of true story? So this is based on it's uh, it's not based on a true story at all that happened in Vietnam. It's based on the uh, uh, novella by Joseph Conrad called The Heart of Darkness from 1899. Wow. Where it's actually a similar story of a voyage up the Congo River uh, into the, the, what was then called the Congo Free State uh, or the, the Heart of Africa as it was always known. And there's a narrator, Charles uh, Marlowe, 
who tells uh, his story about essentially going going up and finding this guy who's obsessed with ivory. His name is Kurtz, the same name huh. as the cult leader they're looking for. And uh, yeah, there's lots of parallels. So it's not like a direct, it's not a direct adaptation, but it is like it's highly influenced by Heart of Darkness. I see. So what was the obsession with surfing? Like, was that just the dude's coping mechanism? Was it a common, um, was it a common form of entertainment for the men who were stationed in Vietnam? That I, that I don't know. That's a good question. I, I just think that guy was just, just, he didn't have everything together. I don't think that Huey's flew into a village they intend to attack with surfboards underneath. Right, right. <laughs> you know? Now, they did... Now, so they blasted uh, Wagner's uh, Flight of the Valkyries. Right. Which Virginia and I will now perform. Ready? Now you join in. I'm good, thanks. You're probably so Virginia. Virginia edits this. She's probably gonna cut that all out. <laughs> I'll gonna, probably cut it out and then add it on at the add end. Add it on the end. So they play Ride of the Valkyries from the the PA system. Essentially, it didn't sound as good. Presumably, it couldn't sound as good as it did. Um, so they never uh, GIs didn't do this. The the you know, the military there never did that, but they did use it to like just play music to entertain themselves. Mm. So they would play like, you know, uh, Jimi Hendrix and the Beatles. They would play like, you know, whatever music they might have on hand through the, through the, um, the PA system on, on board the helicopters. You know, something that I thought was really sad. There were lots of sad things, but go Go ahead. The last thing that um, Lawrence Fishburne's character heard besides the enemy fire was his mother's voice. Because mm. he was playing that tape he had just got in the mail. Yeah, it was, oh, that was, and it was playing after he was already dead. And she said something like, like can't wait to see you soon. Yeah, oh, 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 that's so, that's so heartbreaking. So, I, I don't know what, what all you have to discuss I have questions about the lighting of Marlon Brando's face I have answers for that okay what what was with the lighting of Marlon Brando's face okay now of course every director can make a stylistic choice which is what we could say was happening here because this is a mysterious character and he's difficult to understand and other people who have gone on this mission to you know, to assassinate, to stop, to, you know, arrest, whatever. All of these other, you know, we learn as we go down the river, or up the river, as we go along our journey towards Kurtz, we learn that other people have tried this and failed. So this is a monumental, he believes himself to be God. So you could say it's a stylistic choice. Like we want to keep him in the shadows and we don't really know what we're seeing. And even when he's talking, it's like, what the hell is he even saying? Yeah. Right? But Francis Ford Coppola talked with Marlon Brando, and Brando was, at the time they were ready for the filming, 
he had gained a lot of weight and he was worried about you know coming off as you know he didn't want he didn't want that to be portrayed on film so too self-conscious right so Coppola was like that's no problem we're gonna do this thing where it's gonna you know it was kind of inspired by Brando's desire to not be really fully seen on screen I see so the reason that I was like oh we'll discuss this is because (laughs) that's the end like he kills the dude Martin Sheen kills Marlon Brando. The hero got the guy he was supposed to get. Why is that that end? But <laughs> he he didn't communicate to his headquarters that the mission had been accomplished. That's true. So, like, what if something happens to Martin Sheen on his way back to wherever? He purposely turned the radio off. You know what I'm saying? Like... We don't know. We, we, the audience, have the assurance that Marlon Brando is dead. How However, the people making the decisions in the movie do not have that assurance. And how will that affect, like, are people going to still be coming thinking that he's dead? Like, How do we know that Martin Sheen's character didn't become, like, this, you know, godlike character himself? Well, once he killed Maybe Marlon he's Brando- the dread pirate Roberts. Oh my Have you thought of that? No. <laughs> Go ahead. What were you saying? Um. <laughs> <laughs> so after he killed Marlon Brando, though, everybody just kind of like stopped. Like nobody went and killed him. Right, yeah. Everybody just kind of dropped their weapons. Like, okay. This guy's in charge now, I guess. I don't know. I... I'm glad that he killed the guy, that he got the guy. I just feel like the wrap-up was lacking. You know what? It would have been a pretty weird ending, Hmm. but would have made sense, because again, I'm obsessed with the title making sense with everything else, if the powers that be decided, okay, it's been too much time, and we're just going to drop a nuclear weapon and just say that it's a broken arrow, or, you know, missing, or you know, confiscated nuclear weapon and it's just been de- it's just been detonated there in Cambodia and oh my gosh, isn't that a terrible thing that these terrorists took this weapon and accidentally mm-hmm. blew it up. Because <laughs> then you would have apocalypse. Mm-hmm. No. Right. <laughs> kind of like the end of uh, Dr. Strangelove. That's definitely apocalypse. Yeah, what Mutual they... destruction all over the place. Mm. Mute. It's assured. Indeed. The mutual the mutual destruction. <laughs> so when they discovered so I have I hadn't seen this since maybe like I was in art school because mm-hmm. it's, it's it's a prerequisite no matter what your major is that you watch apocalypse now when you're in art school. So I did. Uh, and that was a long long time ago, so I had forgotten a whole bunch of stuff and when that puppy when they so they stop, yeah. The so when they stop the um, the fishing boat or the you know the boat just filled with stuff and they're filled with um, you know it's a Vietnamese boat. They stop it and um, they just start uh, clean. Starts just killing everybody right. randomly with the big giant gun. Um, and they find a puppy. This woman is hiding something. Yeah, the woman is hiding something in the basket, and 
That's why Clean gets all like you know wigged out and just starts firing. When they see the when they see the puppy, I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't, I might need to turn this off if they kill if they kill the puppy. But then of course it's you like the puppy is the only creature given any compassion. Like it's given more compassion than like human babies and children yeah. and women and the same sort of you know compassion should have or should of course be extended to everyone but it was like a symbol of um you know oh another thing i meant to say in the uh so in the heart of darkness in the the uh novella heart of darkness they were pointing out like oh here's like it was the question of like who really is the savage is it like the quote-unquote savages who are in the native, or is it these imperialists who just come in and storm in and just kill everyone and break everything and they don't care? Mm-hmm. Like, so it's the... But there's that going on, too, in this in this story, of course, where it's like, where Robert Duvall's character is like, oh, these savages, and like, meanwhile, right. like, no, you're the... Let's be clear, you're the savage here. Right. Well, just like Native Americans, when the... Europeans showed up. Yeah, they're doing the, the the Europeans are doing the slaughtering and genocide. Right. To the quote unquote savages. savages. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, I wrote down. Do you know when we got to the Armado Apocalypse? Now, one hour fifty one minutes. One hour fifty one minutes of a two hour and twenty seven minute movie. Now next, that's true. I'm just gonna power through this though. Scroll now, now next to that scrawled in red was the words drop the well near it drop the bomb incinerate them all. Oh, I missed that. So it's like they wanted the ending that I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> so I like if I can talk about something I like real quick. Mm-hmm. Francis Ford Coppola's stylistic choices for the transitions were really interesting because you have this fast-paced war movie and there's you know there's lots of like excitement and danger and death and horrible you know things happening but when he does these transitions they're very long they're very deliberate like when you go from one transition meaning one scene to another and like you fade out the scene you're currently in and you fade in the next one oh yeah I, i counted some of them were like five seconds long which is a really long time. I didn't really like that. I'm sorry. Because it was boring? No, because it was it was visually confusing to me. Well, guess what's also visually confusing? The Vietnam War. I'm just I'm just stating my opinion. Well, and I'm I think you know, I think the the director did that for for a reason. That's what I'm thinking. So why do you think this is not a war movie? Well, I mean, I think I said it already that this is... It's more about imperialism. Hmm. Well, I mean, and what... I guess I guess any war movie could be called about... Pretty <laughs> could much. Could be about imperialism. Like, I like to think... So, so it's not like a... It's not trying to be a document of the Vietnam War. I mean, this is a... A story outside of the history of Vietnam so that's why I don't think of it as a you know as a it's not a Vietnam story it's a story of you know of the of human brutality and I don't think that's limited to war 
I think it's almost you can almost use it as an allegory for human terribleness. That's a good point. Thank you. Are you ready to go to the Bechdel test? I do have I do have one more thing. Okay. But then later you always ask me if I have one more thing. So you can go on to the Bechdel test. So it fails. Of course. There are surprisingly three named female characters. <laughs> really? Yes. The Playboy Playmates. Oh right, the announcer <laughs> goes, Here's Miss Virginia. Um there oh, whatever. was I just used your name. There was Miss August, <laughs> Miss August. Sandra Beatty, <laughs> Miss May, Terry Teray, and the playmate of the year, Carrie Foster. Wow. Of course none of them talked to each other. Did any of them speak at all? When the dude started like bum rushing the the stage, oh. I think they might have been like help or get to the chopper oh, or whatever. Oh, that's horrible. The only women who say anything with names are pleading for their lives. Yeah, there are a lot of women killed as well, but yeah, they are of course unnamed. Yeah, so there is there is uh, Vietnamese, well, presumably Vietnamese spoken. But not translated, where there's women, there's women saying things, but we don't know what it is. Yes. Or what their names are. Um. For well, has your opinion changed since the last time you've seen it? Yeah, I mean, I'm older now, and I I was I was way more affected. I was way more affected by, you know, just the, just the flippant disregard of you know, human lives and whatnot. Um, and, and yeah, the, 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 I guess the, the danger of like believing the danger of belief, like really was brought home to me in this one. Like the, Mm -hmm. like the cult, cult, uh, Kurtz, Kurtz, the cult leader. Mm -hmm. He's never, he's never called that, which is a shame. Um, yeah, I mean it's 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 dangerous when one person has all the power and they have some destructive ideas. You know that you know mm-hmm. that hit me a a different way this time. Yes, I can see how that would happen. Can you tell me about disability portrayal? Um, well, there seem to be. Although not explicitly stated, a lot of PTSD happening in the field, like people obviously affected by their previous experiences when triggered by new events. Um, But there is also, mainly we saw a lot of injuries, but people either died or we didn't see their treatment past being put on a stretcher and, and carried off screen. So Right. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of opportunity for, for that particularly. We're in the middle of an adventure, so you're, you're either continuing on or you need to be removed in some way. I get it. So, are there any pop culture references you now understand? I never knew where I love the smell of napalm in the morning came from. Bobby D just throws that line away too, doesn't he? Yeah. Like, it's not said like, oh, this is going to be my I'll be back or. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, I assumed it was associated with some sort of Vietnam 
war movie because we're literally talking about napalm Napalm. sure um but yeah i didn't i mean you hear it every once in a while but i i didn't i had no idea where it came from so did you know that the use of the song flight of the valkyries by wagner was it comes from this movie when you want to have you know this monumental like you know here come these like deliverers of death you know helicopters coming towards you i mean i thought that that may be the first time it was used in a movie that way but i thought that was always what it was associated with like in the uh i don't really speak german that well so i don't know what (laughs) so in the play or in the in the in the opera Mm-hmm. Was it the first time it was used in a movie? Oh, I mean, I, th- I thought you were talking about, like, in the in the opera itself, like, Flight of the Valkyries was about... I don't know what the song was meant to... was meant to, you know, portray. Oh. But, yeah, there. I don't think Flight of the Valkyries was ever used in that manner before Apocalypse Now. I think that's the first time it was... That, um, that song what was... What about Kill the Wabbit, Kill the Wabbit? No? Elmer Fudd's going to see Object of Death and Doom. Wasn't that made after 1979? Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. (laughs) I think we should stop talking about this. (laughs) Because now I feel silly. Do you have anything else to discuss? No, I feel like a silly Billy. I do have something else. I do have something else to discuss. Okay. So, uh, the attack helicopter which is embodied by the the Huey or Huey Cobra, Uh was used for the first time in warfare in Vietnam. Helicopters became a symbol of American, uh, the American military force in Southeast Asia, in Southeast Asia in the 1960s. There were helicopters, of course, used in Korea, but it was more for like medical evac situations. Mm -hmm. So... The reason that Vietnam and helicopter, the attack helicopter, are so indelibly linked is two reasons. It's it's um, it's the easiest, simplest way to like to move people in and out of like a very dense jungle area, the way Vietnam was, and also it was the first time that that was that technology was available for warfare. Hmm, that's very interesting. So that's why there's all these like loving shots. You know the almost romantic shots of of helicopters. Oh, I, I know one more thing, mm-hmm. and then we can move on. Uh, this movie, there's been there's a great there's a couple of uh, great documentaries about the making of this. So I won't go into all of the making of stuff, but it was a nightmare for Francis Ford Coppola. He made this movie mostly in uh, in the Philippines. So, occasionally you'll see people who are playing, like, Vietnamese villagers, and they don't look like... To me, they don't look like Vietnamese people, and they are not Vietnamese people. They are... Mm. They are Filipino. And the the Filipino uh, uh, military lent Francis their helicopters for all these shots. Mm-hmm. And he kept wanting them to get closer and closer... Which is always bad news, and the and the pilots were always like, "Yeah, we're not listening to you." 
like France has always envisioned way more helicopters way closer to each other which is of course very dangerous uh but they would so they would often like have to be recalled because the military is like yeah you can use them but if we need them we're just taking them off your set so you're screwed for like a week while we go do military exercises that have already you know have been planned or whatever it is so anyway look into that if you're interested in the making of this movie which was an epic all its own. You didn't mention the doors. This is the end. Yeah, the oh, I mean the use of music. There's so many things. Like the use of music. Like to begin your to begin your movie with the door song, the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that just that that legendary creepy delivery of the <laughs> narration. I know that you you found parts of it silly, but when I was a child and saw it, I'm like, oh, that's so cool and wild, and he's out of control. Yeah. Anything else? I think that's plenty. So that about wraps it up. You can find us on a bunch of platforms like iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. We're also on the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network at CosmicPotato.com. You can find a lot of other great shows there, so check that out. And as for us, just go to waityouvneverseen.com to find links, social media, and contact information. Leave us some feedback and let us know if you have any suggestions for for movies or TV shows that we should watch. That's our show for today. Next time we'll be watching The Blues Brothers. Thanks for listening.